survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 25 and in this edition we find ourselves once more in the Baker Plantation tackling Not A Hero, End of Zoe and all the various bits of DLC that followed Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. My name is Cyniac, you can just call me Cyan. Joining me on the panel this week, he's not a hero, he's a very naughty boy. It's Firebutton Steve Allens. Hello. When we asked him to join the first aid spray team, I don't know if he expected to be on a podcast where we discussed card counting, but nonetheless, it's Moist Owlet, aka James. Hello. And our special guest returning to the podcast for his next birthday, I hear he's not opposed to see being sat in a chair in a small dank house while someone runs around searching for chicken and pepper grinders in the attic. It's Michael Burger Time Early. I told you that in confidence, so. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. How's it going? This episode of the podcast, like all others, was recorded live in our Discord server. Join now to hear the podcast early and unedited, as well as engage with our community, contribute to the show and other upcoming projects, and be informed first of everything going on behind the scenes. You can find a link to the server in the description of the podcast or on our social media accounts. You can also support the show on Patreon for as little as $1 a month with various tiers, each with their own perks. Check out patreon.com forward slash Pod for a full list and a chance to create bonus first aid spray content. Housekeeping at the top of the show is uh, the thank yous to our latest Patreon supporters. We've had a few new ones in. So thank you to The Mutant Man. Thank you to Richard G. And thank you to Silic. And thank you to Nemesis. <laughs> Nemesis with a three. N3MESIS. You know who you are. So special thanks to all those people for supporting First Aid Spray. Uh, which means we've also hit a new round number. So we put up another poll to be voted on. So there is more bonus content in the works. Speaking of all the content we're working on, um, we have recently put out a lot of new stuff. We got the bonus episode following on the Resident Evil, the beginning uh, audio drama that we put out. Uh, you can listen to the cast and the crew discuss the behind the scenes stuff, how that show came together and all that. So that was real fun to do as well. Um, in terms of Patreon content, the Dead Space episode is now publicly available to everyone. And currently at the time of speaking, the The Last of Us podcast is Patreon exclusive. So if you're supporting us at $5 a month, you can listen to that now before everybody gets it early in August. Um, in terms of the YouTube, we put out a few new videos. We have the true story of Resident Evil Director's Cut Shock, and the sort of mystery and legend behind that soundtrack. And we've also put out the five best final boss fights, uh, which was, in fact, written by Burger Time and narrated yeah. by Moist Owlet. So that was a lot of fun. was. Yeah. And voted on by all the Discord server members as well. So your voices got heard in that video and the video that will be coming out shortly to follow it as well. And the final piece to talk about before we move on to the general news is that Steve and I guested on another Resident Evil podcast uh, we recorded recently. At the time of recording, it's not out yet, so uh, keep your eyes open. I, I believe it's coming soon. The edit on it's going to be a hefty one. We appeared on Biohazard Stars 3, which is the upcoming episode of the Resident Evil podcast, alongside the guys on that channel and some of the guys from Crimson Head. Um, we did a big quiz show, blowout extravaganza. It was uh, such an honour and a great experience for us to be on there. And I think everyone will thoroughly enjoy it, especially if if you like your trivia and, and your quiz show format. It, uh, it's a good time. So make sure you check that one out. Um, follow those guys. We'll be tweeting about it when it, when it drops. But uh, yeah, special shout out to all of those guys. Okay, that is everything from us. Steve, take it away with the Biohazard News.
So our first piece of news, everybody. There is a... It's an expanded, a new resistance mode map has implied further support for the game. Uh, it's really straightforward. Right, yeah. So, am I right in thinking it's, they've, they've added new skills to all of the characters and the masterminds? Right, in like, July, it, it was a lot of like skins and gestures and stuff, and, and the and more at the bottom. But yeah, it turns out those and more was uh, some new skills for every character, so that's nice. I hear there like there's a new map coming, a remixed version of is it uptown or downtown? It says uptown. It says uptown on the image. I don't quite know what that meant because when I read that the first time, I thought, oh, they're like redesigning the downtown map to be something else. But now maybe they are remixing uptown from Resident Evil Three, the remake, and turning it into a resistance map somehow. That would be my guess. That would be really cool. Be good. That's like the strongest openish segment in RE Three proper. Well, remake yeah. Three proper mm-hmm. as well. It'd be interesting so that, to see how they split it into three different areas, that's for sure. Mm. What they need to do is address... Uh, there's been like some significant balance issues, from what I understand. Like, Masterminds are steamrolling people now with uh, first map, multiple super boss attacks, and that just seems a bit... For a, a part of a round that can go on for about two minutes, maybe three, hmm. that's kind of brutal. That's, that's insanely over the top. Um, I'm it's- hearing from our little... Discord community that there is, there are definitely uh, changes afoot in the meta of the game. It's uh, been it's been a uh, it's been a curse with that genre, the asymmetric horror, um, for a long time. Right, mm. it just sort of swings from one side to the other over and over with every balance, right? You yeah, you're never every time there's a new co- there's new content. The new content is busted, overpowered. Then they course correct, they overcorrect one way, they overcorrect the other. Ultimately speaking, nobody's ever happy ever. Hmm. They are continually like dropping updates and tweaks and stuff. Um, with the latest update, um, it was immediately notified that there was some kind of bug. I, I can't remember what it was now, but it, it was immediately called out by the developers on Twitter, and they said, "Oh, we're going to fix that um, basically tomorrow and put up a patch for that." So they they are they're on it. They're continually trying to tweak the game, but yeah, I'm also hearing that it, it's kind of wildly bouncing from one end to the other, and yeah, it probably probably is going to do that for a long time. Um, the end of that roadmap, though, says more updates to come in September, so what exactly that means, new maps, new characters, whatever, but it's at least good to see that there's a few more months in it. Obviously, this is kind of stuff is probably going to be impacted by the current state of the world and everybody working from home, so who knows what exact, how exactly and what exactly that's affected here, but I imagine it probably right. has had an effect. See, I think it's a good sign in, a, in one regard, but I know there are parts of the fandom that are going to be like, why is Resistance getting updates when RE3 should be getting them, and so on. To which I will say, and I, I don't speak for everybody, but I speak for just me, the different dev teams. Yep. Yeah. The different dev teams. Let Neobards do their thing and flex their fan muscles, because we've seen some of the shit they've done. I mean, sorry, sir, you'd have to bleep that. Um, you know, but they've, they've, they clearly love the series. That you know, give yep. them a break, lads. You're talking to gamers here. They, we oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we can't calm down. We have to blow it beyond proportion than it needs to be. But yeah, I, I, I hope they, uh, oh, they can at least, because they go by numbers, don't they? They go by percentages. And if they can at least bring stuff down to a more manageable rate then the beast will be sated <laughs> looks like the the bug was masterminds getting their ultimates too fast uh like you uh, able to drop nemesis in round one from choji and chat uh that's it, bananas 
Mm. It's uh, the power limiter, I think, or something they've called it, which is ironic considering that's meant to restrain tyrants. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll gloss over that bit. It's just, yeah, get, get, give Neobard some slack, guys. That, that's all I ask for me. You know, if you love me, if you love the podcast, please. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I agree. I'm in total agreement. They are, they're, they're separate teams. And um, it's a shame to see people sort of ragging on it. Uh, as ragging on resistance as an excuse for where's my re3 content when you're right the stuff that the resistance team have put out has been amazing um in terms of fan service um you know and not just resident evil some of the new sprays and stuff i love just coming across them on twitter like seeing the masterminds arranged as like the cheering group meme i don't know if, if people right. know what i mean when i say that but when you see it you'll know what i'm talking about like the memes they've put in there are great um they're clearly having a lot of fun with it but yeah people were Pooping, pooping on the party by basically saying if it's Capcom, that means you're taking time and you know whatever resources away so, from X Y Z when it's not how it works as, that way. As a, as the as a self-proclaimed Resident Evil historian for Resident <laughs> Evil Three, sure, yeah. Um, I don't even know what more content you'd want in Resident Evil Three aside from mercenaries, which we can get at any point ever. Uh, well, th- there is the, the the argument for reimagined clock tower, reimagined park. Don't get me wrong, there are things missing from RE3 that I can understand why the fandom's hurt. Mm. But directing your eye in the wrong place um, is what I would say there. Um, I feel yeah. like we should move on to the next article of news before we <laughs> start ranting. Sorry. Go ahead. Capcom have expressed hope that players will not refer to Village as Resident Evil 8. Who wants to start this one off? Because <laughs> shut up, <laughs> shut up, nerds! It's Resident Evil Eight. <laughs> the first bit, the first bit of the title, pop, the title pop up in the reveal was eight. Like you know, it was mm. literally V I I I. That's either seven point one, <laughs> or it's eight. Come on, come on now! Like I, I get it. You, you want to build it up, and I am personally down for Resident Evil titles not having numbers in the future and just subtitles because. You say to someone, oh yeah, I played Resident Evil 21 last night. Does that have the same effect as like Resident Evil mm-hmm. Villa or something? So, but right. just own it. You put the Roman numeral in the title. Right. That's the thing is it wouldn't be so bad if it was just called Resident Evil Village and they never, you know, gave the nod of the eight at the beginning there. But they've said yeah. it is RE8. Just don't call it that. It's like, well, why, why is it RE8 then? Like... The eighth game in the series, but don't call it RE8. It's also not even remotely the yeah. game of the series, is it? So. I, 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 I don't care. Um, <laughs> either way, like I, like it, it's. I, I, I wish they just yeah. As you guys have said, I wish they didn't address it because if you don't, if they didn't address it, I know they're trying to appease their their fan base, right? But if they didn't address it, it wouldn't be a problem. It really right. wouldn't be, right? They, they, you get these people who are crying, won't cry and whine, right? But then when it comes out, they'll be like. Oh yeah, I'm going to be getting uh, Resident Evil Eight Village, and then you know you'll get some people. It just wouldn't be a problem. It's just because right. they've, they've spotlighted it. It's a problem. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't mind what they call it. I don't mind what other people call it. You can call it Eight. You can call it Village. Right. It just opens the door for people to be like, "Oh, when are we getting the real Resident Evil Eight? <laughs> exactly. Like. They didn't do this for Code Veronica. The Code Veronica was just Code Veronica. They didn't put anything random in the in the title. It's not, well, I mean, it, in timeline wise and main release series wise, it's technically the fourth one, right? But yes, exactly. If you're, if you're, right, if you're 
taken our way stuff like Survivor, absolutely. Um, well, but, I, I but mean, that's a great example, though, you're right. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, Survivor, I would argue, like, it's a spin-off. Kind of, yeah, some people would say Co Veronica's a spin off, and I'd say, yeah, what are you smoking? That, that's some <laughs> yeah. strange no, stuff. It's a, it's a direct sequel. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 very weird. What I'm kind of just like rubbed me the wrong way is I don't like when sort of series sort of mess with the the title layout like this. I've never I've never really personally liked how it's Resident Evil, Resident <laughs> Evil Two, Resident Evil Three Nemesis out of nowhere, and then we go back to four, five, and six. So if you're starting a new series with Resident Evil Seven Biohazard, just call the next one Resident Evil Eight Village, and then Resident Evil Nine something. To just some consistency would be nice, but that's right. just me. No, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, well, it, it makes sense. You always know numbered entry title and then subtitle to signify it amongst the rest. It, it's it's so logical. It's reasonable. Really, really it's, uh, from what I'm reading here, it was their hope that people would abbreviate the game as Village and not as RE8. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's... No, that's it's, not happening. Have you seen Twitter? It's, it's easy <laughs> to put three letters than it is to do eight. You know, to get. You know, those I only have characters. I only have two hundred forty characters. I can't I can't be wasting, you know, <laughs> six on Illage. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as long you know, as long as long as the spines of the game cases match, then the internet will be happy. Okay, it's going to be upside down. <laughs> and then here comes Resident Evil 4 sorry 4 Resident Evil to come and wreck everything <laughs> uh, I just hope people know that when I put up tweets on my account and the first aid spray account and it says Resident Evil Village we put out content that says Resident Evil Village it's for the SEO um, I'm thinking of it as Resident Evil 8 when it, when it was <laughs> announced what trended was Resident Evil 8 so when I put that video up it was hashtag Resident Evil 8, not Resident Evil Village, because that's what people are calling it and talking about it as. That, that's all I'm, That's where I'm going to end it. I, I, I want to congratulate Sai on that video real quick. Was that your first viral one? Uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. 20,000 views, man. And counting. And just, so thank you to everyone for uh, sharing that one around. Not to be that guy, but I have to be that guy. It's the Resident Evil series. They're all viral. Ha, 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 ha. And on that note, <laughs> let's move on to the main topic of discussion for this episode, which is Resident Evil 7's DLC. And now, reading the file, Letter Regarding Umbrella's Goals from Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, Lauren Williams, who you can follow on Twitter at BootsyLuna. For many of you, this is your first mission with us, so we wanted to make it clear what Umbrella is all about. Though many of our staff hail from the infamous pharmaceutical giant Umbrella, our purpose is to make amends for the atrocities perpetrated under the Umbrella name. That is why we reincorporated as a PMC in 2007. We will put a stop to not only anyone who is engineering or selling bioweapons, but those who support those efforts as well. We made a mess, and now we have to clean it up. By keeping the Umbrella name, we show that we take responsibility for that mess, and we want you to remember that you carry this responsibility with you in every mission. 
Okay, so here we are to discuss the second part of Resident Evil 7, as it were. We covered the main game earlier in Season 2, so if you haven't listened to that podcast, feel free to go back and check that one out. It was a, a good, healthy discussion that I think we ended with the note of... Um, Oh, now, now I understand why we weren't going to talk about the DLC, because we took you know nearly two hours to talk about the game. I feel like, to be fair, we can do that again, probably, with the DLC. <laughs> um, just before we even really get into it, this is... Steve, do you reckon this is the most substantial amount of DLC for a Resident Evil game up to this point, right? It has to be. I can't think of anything else. Uh, the, the closest contender, and I still think it loses, is Resident Evil 5. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, yes. Resident- 5 has two extra campaigns... Yeah, and it has two extra campaigns and like remixed mercenaries mode. Right, that's true. Free update, which I mean, they also uh, sold content for. Yeah, mm. you could buy mm. versus mode separately at launch of RE5 way back when God was an egg. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, no, fair point. Um, that's that's kind of that's close. Uh, but this is yeah about the about as much or more depending on what way you want to look at it. Um, even when Resident Evil Seven finishes, you're Greeted with a splash screen promising not a hero. We'll get to that. Um, the first piece of DLC for the game launched on PS4 on January 31st, 2017. Um, Xbox didn't get the band footage DLC separately like the PlayStation did. It got, it got everything a little bit later on February 21st. But band footage 1 came first. So that consists of Nightmare, Bedroom and Ethan Must Die. So I guess the best way to go through it is just go one by one through each piece so let's start with uh, nightmare which is the um kind of survival gameplay playing as clancy running around underneath the house um you are collecting scraps to spend on ammo weapons hitting items and you basically are just trying to run out the clock uh, I, I think i think that's how that works there's a scorekeeping element to it the more score you rack up over time uh, the more stuff you can purchase with your scrap later, and that that score um, contributes every time you play it. There isn't just like you know your single high score. You've got this big massive score. So I guess there's kind of some replayability there if you re- really want to rack up that number and unlock right. all the crazy guns and stuff. Um, so uh, Burger, how, what did you think of Nightmare? What was your any experience with this one? Um... This was one of the ones I didn't get to see. Uh, I had been watching it while we're sitting here, and I do appreciate the survival aspect of it. I, I One of my thoughts, and I guess we can get into it with the other D, uh, DLCs as well, is how they kind of changed up the core gameplay mm-hmm. a bit to fit this smaller story, and I and I thought I thought it worked. Yeah, there there is a lot of that on this, where it's like, it's the RE7 basic gameplay with a lot of tweaks. Um, I feel like the phrase arcadey is going to come up a lot in this episode, but it is kind of oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, Actually, the top of my note is arcadey. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> we, should, we need to get like a counter for that one because I know that's going to happen a lot. Um, James, what was your uh, reaction to Nightmare? I was, I was for some reason, king at this mode. Um, <laughs> yeah, not, not, not to turn your own on, James, you know. <laughs> You even admitted it. I was surprised. That's, that's why I said it, because you were like, James, you're actually not bad uh, at this. But no, so this game mode is really fun. I, re- I really like it. Uh, me and Steve, actually, we don't normally do this, but when we were playing this, um, we actually restarted it. Was it just once or twice, Steve? 
I think it was two or three times, to be honest. Yeah, because because we we wanted to complete it. We wanted to get to the end of the day, uh, what the night, mm-hmm. uh, the morning, pretty much. And yeah, we were. <laughs> and I was very determined, which is unlike me in these games, because I just want to leave because everything's so scary. But um, yeah, this one I wanted to get to the end. I was like, if by the way, guys, just tip if you want if you if you want to complete this, then unlock the machine gun and have. Gun. because the machine gun is nothing like the crappy machine gun in the main game it is absolute baller it's great um but yeah it's it, it's it's really good and i liked it it's, it's it's a good you can put hours into this you know like i think when these band fo- footage uh things came out they were what 20 pounds was it 15 20 pounds yeah that, that sounds right something like that was it was that the cost each or was there a, a expansion pass that you got everything I think it was an expansion pass, but you could buy them individually. I want to say individually. I think it was seven ninety nine, mm-hmm. and then okay. and then then the 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 group purchase was like the same but double, so it was like fourteen ninety nine. It wasn't wasn't it wasn't twenty quid. I promise it's, you. It's Resident Evil, the tower defense game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, really, it really is. And it was it was uh, like I always I always gauge my games by the amount of hours per pound, and I would have put more hours into this when it came out if I knew how 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 much fun it was. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, just get yourself health, get yourself machine gun, and blast away. I mean, there isn't really much more to say than that. You've got to, you've got to survive waves until the end of the well until the sun rises, mm-hmm. and you quote can escape. Jack Baker arrives randomly. Uh, big bosses, big kind of. You know, like the bloater guys, they arrive um, right, randomly. Yeah, um, and yeah, it just, it, it's got the horror aspect as well, because you're always in uh, these really narrow corridors mm-hmm. and you're having to pick your fights. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's uh, the traps as well. Like, traps are super fun. You got to make sure you don't trip them yourself, or I did that several times, or else you will die. Um, <laughs> yeah, super, super fun game mode. Super fun. Yeah, you can um, activate. The sort of like smoking floor panel things. There's um, explosive barrels, uh, tripwire turrets that you can spend your scrap on to. Yeah, tower defenses. Uh, I didn't even think about it that way, but that's that's very apt. You can set up some defenses, um, but also you're right. It's it's very cramped. You're playing sort of just in the the basement loop. So, with the exception of a couple of rooms, there isn't many many choices for what path you want to take you are going to be running sort of round in circles but that actually isn't a detriment i felt like um i just really enjoyed running around that loop um and and grabbing everything like going from machine to machine picking up that scrap and and clearing the waivers as i went steve how did you find nightmare uh first of all i just want to say if they make an airsoft version of the assault rifle can we get james's it's an absolute baller quote on the box (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so i genuinely like i love a good horde battle mini game like Mm -hmm. uh gears of war mass effect 3 i still play mass effect 3 hit me up on twitter we'll talk about it we'll play games um but no uh nightmare is fun that the only problem i think is it's a lot of it's tied to the progression system because as you guys have mentioned it keeps a a cumulative score and initially you don't start with much you start with the basic handgun the knife and the shotgun and i there's probably some wizard or some super, you know, the, the, the should we say the S tier resi players like Bork Pursuit and Carcinogen. Mm-hmm. They probably could beat this mode with the base gear. But everyone else, 
we're slumming it until we get the better gear, which means mm. it's a bit grindy to start off with. Looks like it, it escalates very quickly. Mm, it it does, and there's uh, obviously there's a once you beat Nightmare, there's Night Terror mode, which is right. like you know a couple of rungs louder. It, uh, there's harder enemies, and you know I, I don't think you get as much scrap. You have to be a little bit more tactical. But no, the the fact that you get these little corrosion boxes, you can buy them to then expand the map to then get more scrap yes. units to get your currency. You know, it's it's all about building up your revenue to then build up your gear, and for that, it's really enjoyable. Although I wish there was a bit more of a random element to it, because once you've built a meta that you you know works, you're pretty much set to just peacefully grind away if you want to get that infinite ammo or these other cool toys for the higher modes. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Um, it it, it only, sort of plateau. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it plateaus unfortunately. That's the big problem. I the th- the weird thing is with the nature of the mode being a horde battle, it still has a narrative. It's still you know you would right. have to like. You would have to shave a few things off the side of the, like the triangle or whatever to fit in the hole of the narrative where it has to sit. But this is meant to be where immediately, well, not immediately, but sometime after Clancy has been punched out before um, what's his name, the the other two sewer gators guys die. This is after Kitchen on his timeline uh, before Pete bedroom. Someone, yeah, um, Pete Andre, Andre, Pete Andre, oh, unfing believable, exactly. Um, <laughs> Uh, in the so it's the first chapter in the DLC Chronicles of Clancy. Right. Therefore, the fact they even throw a narrative in is cute. Yes, all of um, I say all of, most of the stuff, especially the Clancy focused stuff, is you know sort of grey canon if you like. You can make it fit if you want to, you know. Yeah, it doesn't um, hurt anything. Which is nice. It, 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 yeah, because it's such a simple. This is such a simple game mode in theory. You're right. It's a tower right. defense horde modey thing. You just run around in circles. Um, it's it's fun. It's difficult the first few rounds, like you say, before you start picking up those points to be able to spawn yourself some better weapons. Um, but then after a certain point, yeah, you're just going to be uh, finding what works for you and just going over and over uh, again until you rack everything up. As um, somebody who has this really fresh in the brain, uh, I'm watching a video about it right now. Mm-hmm. The, the buying system and everything looks a whole lot like it does in Resistance. Yeah, uh, yeah, actually, it's not agree. yeah so, basically, um, as compact as the drop um scrap metal for the mm. listener and you use them to then build it at the workbench which is like your central hub of the map um and you convert you for some reason clancy is a complete wizard and can take scrap metal and turn it into <laughs> a chemical fluid to heal himself um but you, you know, can't no I, I failed chemistry class <laughs> there is there is something i want to touch on which is a shame i think because with end of zoe and not a hero having come out after release and this being the game's most battle-focused mode. They right. could have easily just updated it with like a, a, net, a second nightmare and thrown in the newer molded types and the newer weapons, which I think is probably yeah, just me cool. being all scope creepy, but it would have been nice. That would have been cool, yeah. I, I would take this as an expanded game mode. Like, give me give me, give me, me nightmare, give me new characters, give me a new setting, and I'd play the shit out of it all day. Yeah, that's fair. I think, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's like one of those little gameplay experiments that actually... Proved fruitful. I don't know if they'll ever come back to it, but I, yeah, I feel like it was a good success, to be honest. I'm still uh, sat here at the back, like just holding up my torch for please give us a Resident Evil Raid mode, Mercenaries combination, All Stars pack. <laughs> just <laughs> make it a battle simulator if you want for your canon and your story, but I would take that over Umbrella Chronicles and all the rest, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, that's fair. Well, let's talk about a totally different type of gameplay experience that was also included in uh, band footage number one, uh, which is also a 
canon, if you like, uh, Clancy experience, which is Bedroom, which is a puzzle-focused escape room-style thing. Um, Clancy waking up in, I think it's what is meant to be Evelyn the Granny's room, right? Um, yeah. And being not force-fed by Mar Marguerite, but she's turning up with some stuff that you don't, yeah, you'd rather not ingest. In fact, if you choose to do it, and that is an option, uh, you take damage, so that's kind of funny. Um, and yeah, it's up to you as Clancy to get out of that room and escape Marguerite. Um, this is a very different experience to Nightmare. So, uh, James, what do you think of Bedroom? Uh, straight off the top, if Steve wasn't there with me while I while I played Bedroom, I wouldn't have completed it. <laughs> Steve Steve has this crazy memory when it comes to things uh, in in computer games, and he yeah, when he told me the premise, I, I think on the video I swore a lot. I, went, <laughs> I was like, no, because I have a bad memory. Okay, it's a. When it comes to when it comes to games, I have such a bad memory. I cannot remember what I did three or four turns ago. So this mode, bedroom, is probably out of all the DLCs, these these banned footage, probably the most um, popular one. Um, you have to basically get out of your seat, and then yeah, yeah, it is a real life toss. It is a ripoff of uh, Misery, um, but <laughs> you have to get up off your your seat to try to escape, right? But you can't make much noise, and you can't do it for too long. And everything you change, you have to put back, mm -hmm. right? Which is yeah. awful for me. <laughs> I remember <laughs> going. I remember making a beeline for the for one of the the vanity, and there was like a drawer I could open. And Steve went, "No, you don't want to do that." I'm like, "What? You don't you don't want to do that?" But I'm like, "Okay, fine." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was whatever. Good. Yeah, but I, I didn't. I did. I listened to him because he is in gaming. He is my daddy, so I I didn't bother. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I eventually got through it, and yeah, definitely. If Steve wasn't there with me, I definitely would wouldn't have completed it. But I I did enjoy it. It was fun, and it was scary, man. There's there's a different level of horror, and being actually in the character third person, uh, sorry, third first person made it scarier. Like it could. I was thinking while I was playing it, imagine if this was in third person, it wouldn't be that scary. Right, absolutely. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't work the same way. It's a lot of Resident Evil 7. Mm -hmm. This is one of those ones that's a great example when you go back to it of being like, it's just a great reminder to me of what how good the game looked um, at, at any kind of, I'm not sure the perspective is the right word, but you know, Marguerite comes right up into your face basically, and it still looks good and horrifying. And it made me think this is probably yeah. great and terrible in VR, um, which is you know what you want out of Resident Evil Seven in VR. I can tell you that that Resident Evil Seven in VR is bananas. Yeah, I've had a I've had a little bit of an experiment with it, and even as someone who fairly adept at the game and kind of knew what was coming next i was still like yeah i'm not very comfortable all these people were right in my face with knives thanks it's not it's not great yeah uh steve what did you think of bedroom well this is this is the bit isn't it right so first time through it's a great experience where you've got to try and figure out the puzzles and get you know get by marguerite stuffing her face uh, stuffing food in your face there's even dialogue options for basically how badly do you want to upset the lady <laughs> or there is no there's no benefit to like you know jibing marguerite unless you want to try and get yourself killed well you know, you, know, you do you if you want to sass and, the and she lady. will attack you she will yeah she's, she's not a pleasant lady when she's upset but 
as ingenious as it is, right? It's it's like knowing a plan. Um, uh, have we ever done like an escape room challenge or anything like that? Have we ever gone to one of those? I have. Uh, right. I'm um, familiar the, with it. The, the general concept is you you go into an like it's a pre-built event where you have to solve puzzles or mm-hmm. something alike. It's like replaying this is sadly limited because yeah. there's no there's no real change to it. The only thing you could do is make less mistakes. Um, right. The atmosphere of the actual first time through, though, the the whole like you know you're basically playing out some poor cameraman reliving misery with a lady shoving book food in your face, is truly terrifying. The the atmosphere, the, the it's ugh, and the puzzles. I, I agree with Steve on that one. Um, there's a there's a there's a saying that I have every time I beat a game that I really enjoyed. Alan Wake was remember first time I ever using. It. It's a game I wish I could unplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because. Because it's the DLC for for Bedroom is great. It, it's the old school puzzle solving. It, it felt almost like a hey, he, uh, like they could have put it out as a demo for Resident Evil Seven, and I'd have bought the game after it. Hmm. Um, it was a blast. It's, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because that's, that's that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like a really polished like vertical slice of here's our puzzle elements and how we can throw them out. Yeah, because uh, these are like uh, not not trying to knock our beloved franchise, but Resident Evil's puzzles have been a bit. Uh, oh, a bit, a bit, a bit. Uh, they're a bit, they're a bit lacking. You know, mm-hmm. this is coming up to Dino Crisis. This isn't quite, but it's coming up for Dino Crisis one tier of uh, convoluted, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. You know, which yeah. um, is, but it's unfortunate. It's all this mode's really got, um, yeah. which on replay weakens it a lot. Yeah, it reminds Definitely. me, as you say. Um, Kind of like the old point and click adventures in that way is once you know the solution, it's really just about how quickly yep. can you run through, what steps can you skip because you know how to get things quicker, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, sequence breaking, right? Sequence breaking the whole thing. Um, I thought it was. I think it's all right. It is. It's it's really great on the first in the first run through or or, or or the first run through in like three years, like I just did. Um, but but yeah, it it after that not so much. Yeah, definitely leave your memory to fade to grey before you retouch it. Totally. Although, that being said, there's a couple of bits, like the draw that James mentioned, um, and right at the end, there's some cheap stuff. If you forget to equip yourself with a knife as you're coming out of the side room, Marguerite just runs in and just ends you, and you have to do the whole thing again. That's kind of irritating, but... Yeah. See, I think the only way... It's it's funny you mentioned point-and-click adventures, because all of a sudden I'm thinking the way I would remedy bedroom would be the dialogue system that you've got with Marguerite, making it a little bit more robust, so you can have not not quite Monkey Island level of ha ha funny, but mm. a way of remixing how things play out a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe she brings you the fork first instead of the spoon. Maybe yeah. she does something different. Sure. Yeah, yeah, no, um, that's fair. But I, I get what it was. It was a it was a DLC. It was meant to further enhance the. Um, the experience of Resident Evil 7, fill in some blanks of what's going on. I I appreciated it. Good. I would say I, I, I agree. I think it succeeds in, in those things, filling out that world a little more. Which I definitely appreciated about the the whole expansion system as a whole for this game. Mm-hmm. That's definitely going to be something that we touch on uh, a little bit later down the line as well. The final piece for Bound Footage, Volume 1, um, is Ethan Must Die, which uh, I have described in my notes as a shadow that will forever hang over me. <laughs> <laughs> I've never beaten it, um, unfortunately, and I've gotten close many, many times. It is a 
straight-ish run it puts you in one place and it asks of you to make your way to the greenhouse and to face Marguerite except you are completely unequipped and uh, safe for a knife and you are picking up your randomized equipment along the way by breaking boxes um, enemy placement is always the same I don't think there's any moments where it can change um, but it all comes down to the random RNG of what's in those boxes or, in fact, if there's anything in those boxes at all because if you're not paying close enough attention to the sort of whirring noise, they can explode and destroy you. So boxes <laughs> are sort of ranked in one, two, and three tiers. Um, so better pray that that three-tier box isn't explosive and instead you're going to pick up a valuable weapon. But even that I found with being I played it recently and I had like the burner the machine gun shotgun I think the machine gun as well even being that equipped just one tiny slip up you have so little health that it's it's over instantly if you make a mistake yeah it looks tough and then you drop a little statuette which means that next time you load it up you go towards that statuette swipe it with a knife and one of your previous items from your last playthrough will be there to pick up so sometimes it isn't the first death that's the worst. It's it's if you don't reach that statue before you die, and instead leave one with nothing. That's sometimes so, more humiliating. So what I'm hearing is that Capcom made a Dark Souls game. I was <laughs> gonna say that. Right, exactly <laughs> that. It's all about trying and trying and trying and trying again, which I loved about it. I just could never conquer it. Um, James, how did you feel about Ethan Must Die? Coincidentally, <laughs> um, so I, I didn't play it. Uh, I watched it being right. played. And I really want to play it now. <laughs> I think you'd enjoy it. It's, yeah, a, it's it a challenge. Um, yeah, because it's meant to be. It, it's meant to be. Whereas the main game is, you know, on normal is not particularly hard, and the DLC, like the other stuff, is not particularly hard. They wanted to give you something that was that because I mean, you know, Dark Souls or like Souls like games have mm-hmm. been quite popular the past decade. Right, so they wanted to. It's good. It's a nice nod towards those games. They say, "Hey, we can do it, and we can do it in first person," you know, um, and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I can't really say much on on a personal opinion, uh, like personal perspective, because I've not played it. Um, but yeah, I, I I will I will I will play this at some point. But seeing it being played, um, it gave me that feeling again of what Souls does. It's like. Oh, I die. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I'm gonna run towards that statue. Get what I am. I die. Okay, that's fine. I'll just start from the beginning. That's fine. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. But that's pretty much my gameplay. Whenever I'm playing Souls, just it's fine, James. You're gonna be fine. We can get through this. It's gonna be great. You're gonna have a great time. It's gonna be great. When you get through this, you're gonna give yourself a pat on the back. It's gonna be great. Um, yeah, I'll be the same with Ethan. It's in terms of a uh, story. Uh, Ethan must die. Is is it is it canon? No, no this is this no. is this one is definitely it's, non-canon. Yeah. It's definitely That's arcade cool. mode. Yeah. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Right, cool, cool. Yeah. Um because you, oh, you go, go sorry, yeah, because you go through that journey anyway, don't you? In the game, in the main game. Right. So. It, it, yeah, yeah. It's it's areas that you know very well. In fact, sort of it almost feels like knowing the house very well will help you um have less run throughs over and over again as you find your way, but then again you might make uh, the occasional slip up going into the room where the beheaded cop is in the final game and triggering right. the trip wire that's in there is incredibly frustrating because you didn't spot it. Um, Steve, how did you feel about Ethan must die? Oh, Nelly, this is, um, this is going to be a thing, right? So back in my day, we called these modes fourth survivor. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> right. I was going to so, say that too. 
this this mode has uh, claimed more than its fair share of hours of me, and even I, the the apparently the MVP on playing these games, allegedly on the on the uh, the team, mm-hmm. haven't beaten it yet. I've got to Marguerite and I've died four times. I, I'm not not happy about that. Mm-hmm. Right, so. The, 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 I think guys are overselling the souls aspect a little, so I want to just dial it back a bit for the listener because it's more it's more roguelike than that. The enemy, right? The 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 the, the enemy layout is the same, the trap layout is the same, but the loot system changes and it's mm-hmm. random. Uh, the okay. the only things you can carry over to your your future self if you you know bite the bullet is one one solitary random item. So, if- but I. I could see how you could break the game that way, though. Is like if you know you're going to eat it, you just find somewhere and drop all your stuff, and you can. It's not that simple, though, because oh. it's one random item, and it can be your knife, and you can't drop certain items. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, to be if fair, it... you don't know if you're going to eat it because if you get hit, that's basically it. You're very yeah. unlikely to be on low health. You're more likely just to go from full health to dead. Yeah, well, like a, it's you're gonna you're gonna Ethan is as fragile as an actual human being would be in this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike video game laws, he, he can block uh, a little, but he's yeah. he's dead in two hits or three. Yeah, he's I'm very seeing, lucky and gets steroids. You I'm know, seeing maybe. that that he gets hit and dies. Like I can appreciate the mode. I actually love the the whole aesthetic of everything. So much darker and there's a crimson sky. Yes, yeah. You run towards the, the house magic. and the sky is just like blood red. Yeah, and the uh, the the key art, the like the tile screen art is grindhouse, and it looks amazing, like mm-hmm. very very in tone of RE7. But the the actual thing is infuriating. Like it's a memory test, and then you've got to hope you get decent luck on the loot. Um, whereas you know, Fourth Survivor, Tofu Survivor, all of those, you know, that is learning a strategy and building a path. All you can really build in your head is how do I evade these things without fighting them, and hope I get the right loot. And that mm-hmm, right. that's what kills it. Because if you get loot, sorry, this is a lot of swearing on this podcast this time. <laughs> um, if you get a, a a very unlucky draw and you don't get enough of those, you know, three star, four star boxes, you ain't doing it. You know, you, Marguerite with a knife, unless you are literally like one of the speedrunner, you know, gods, you're getting wrecked every time. And yeah, I I think I've also gotten to Marguerite, but I've just been in that situation where I just didn't have the kit to deal with it, even slightly, you know. Yeah, I mean, she's actually toned down quite a bit. Oh, right. Like, uh, I, I've noticed that upon fighting her, she can't spawn her little underlings, but she can just be an absolute pain in the bum. Yeah, she is terrifying. Mm. And it's it, that kind of thing really infuriates me when it, there is there's an element of skill involved, but it still relies on RNG. Like, if it's something like uh, Binding of Isaac or um, Enter the Gungeon, there, RNG is expected throughout the entire game. Yeah, trying to find the balance between the two can just no, no. Uh, it's it's always been a fine line in the roguelike genre. And now that you're like now that I'm watching this playthrough, um, and you mentioned roguelike, I'm seeing it. And mm. uh, as a fan of roguelikes, I can attest to the, like how frustrating RNG can be. Because right, if you don't get good, if you don't get a good run, then you're not going to have a good run, and you're just going to have a bad time. Well, that's the thing. Most roguelikes at least have a cornerstone fallback. In this, you are. A uh, man made of literally paper with a paper <laughs> peeler, you know, it, <laughs> with all the mobility of a brick. So, hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- this is uh, I. I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy it, but you're right because the RNG is. Oh, I'm not saying. The no, I know, I know you're not. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. But, it, it's just 
it's not quite as successful as the other modes because the balance is off. The RNG is, you are too reliant on that. Um, so you can get all the way to the end like I've done and you're like, great, I've got loads of chemical fluid and nothing else, you know, <laughs> it could happen. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, no, that, that that's fair. Um, so that moves us on to Band Footage 2. So this was released uh, oh, two weeks later, February 14th on PS4, and as I said, uh, everything came a few weeks after that on Xbox as one lump. Um, and again, this consists of three modes. The first one, amusingly, I asked our Discord server in a poll what was their favourite uh, RE7 DLC pieces. Uh, the most votes went to Not A Hero and End Of Zoe. We'll get to them. But in terms of the banned footage stuff, 21 got the most votes, which is amusing to me because it's, it's, just, it's just Blackjack. You're just playing Blackjack inside of Resident Evil 7. That is summing up in its simplest form. Um, I like Blackjack, so I played this a lot upon release, but uh, I can't really say much more to it than that. <laughs> Steve, what did you think of 21? Blackjack, are you playing where a man <laughs> has tied you to a chair and has got a rigged game with only 11 cards? <laughs> right, I mean, obviously, it's not just Blackjack, <laughs> but you know uh, what I mean, right? Yeah, no, uh, honestly, like, it's it's weird because I'm I'm 100% on uh, Team 21. I I don't know why. It's just it's such a compelling little strategy game, really. Mm. Um, and you have the, because the general concept is you have to obviously have to get to 21 before the other guy does. And you've got to play it in your head, look at what you've got in front of you, tactically make moves, as opposed to the actual real card game where it basically is gamble, right? This could be tactical. Like right. making a card game tactical uh, out of like, you know, basic frigging cards is really compelling. And then you've got all, um, you know, your trump cards and things which change the rules. Um, yeah, very enjoyable, very enjoyable. And the actual narrative, strangely, is. Twistedly compelling as you're basically fighting for your life while also the guy who is opposite you is completely insufferable and you wanted to die. It's um <laughs> like, you know, you should die. Think about what I thought what about what about what about my buddies Pete and Andre? You know? <laughs> what, what what about my fingers? You know, and then Lucas's whole cheating the game because he's fed up of you winning. Mm. I yeah, I, I I genuinely love the whole piece. Um, there's also a follow-up mode, which is like more of a random battle thing where you keep playing against better players and you can unlock little cards. Not unlike Nightmare, where you unlock more stuff through playing. It's pretty good. It's strangely compelling. Yes, well said. I, I would I would agree with everything. It's a really weird one to sum up, um, but but you did a good job. Uh, Berger, did you have any experience playing 21? Uh, learned about it earlier today. Uh, it is the most terrifying card game I've ever seen, and I played Magic <laughs> the Gathering for years. Um, it, the gameplay itself reminds me a little bit of the card game that's in Persona 5 Royal. Oh, okay. Uh, in terms of how how it plays and the extra rules that they give you and how tactical it can be. Uh, I dig it. I'm a sucker for, I'm a, sucker for a card game. Mm -hmm. uh, excited for more. It's 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 no triple triad, but it's 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 all right. <laughs> but, uh, James, triad. Yeah. <laughs> James, what do you think about triple? I mean, twenty one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast. Oh man, that could turn into a wholesome. So, okay. 
Um, yeah, 21. I, I liked it. Uh, me and Steve were having so much fun with this. Mm, I remember. <laughs> it was it was really fun to play. I mean, I didn't go into the... Did, Steve, you said there was extended modes? There I is didn't... extended mode, complete with like ridiculous boss characters, like Mr. Bighead, which is just a a fat molded strapped to a chair playing 21 with you. It's pretty pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I didn't play those. <laughs> I didn't play those, um, but... Yeah, uh, it's it was a, it was just a, a good um, it was a good representation of how crazy Lucas was as well. Yeah, like, you got, you really got to know like you got little snippets through the game, um, but just with twenty one, you got to really learn how psychotic Lucas was and how clever he was. Like everyone else was bonkers, insane. Like Marguerite, I mean Marguerite and um, and Jack, they were uh, they was it Jack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they they were just bonkers, insane, but they're in their own little way. Whereas Lucas was a, uh, he would be, yeah, yeah, and he he was like a really clever, uh, a really clever psychotic, and that was scary. Um, I remember the first time he he duped he duped us. Like Steve did tell me that he was going to cheat at some point, right? And I was like, oh, that's not fair. But when it happened, I was like, ah, that's great. Mm. <laughs> There's a know? lot of character in this, definitely. Yeah, um, it, and for. You know, it's it's just it's just as you say, it's just it's just blackjack. It's not very complicated. It's just got extra features to it, but they they make it fun. Definitely, um, it's wild. It's it's the final piece of the sort of like Clancy trilogy of DLC as well, um, which yeah, it's cool. All of these can technically happen because of the the infection. No matter how many fingers you lose in this, I guess he could grow them all back and then could go on to dealing with uh, Marguerite in bedroom or. or Nightmare, or however, it, whichever order it takes place in. So it's kind of neat to have this little package of Clancy experiences. And also this DLC features a gentleman by the name of Hoffman, which I guess is a reference to Saw. Which is a yeah. little nod. Hey, well, the, the device is very Saw-like. Yes, exactly. It is very Saw-like, you know, removing of all the fingers and stuff. Nice little I mean, nod to that. Uh, the, the, the level of cruelty that Lucas employs in this game is somehow, I, I don't know why, but it is very, like anyone who says Resident Evil 7 is evocative of Saw, this is the DLC you play, isn't it? Because mm, yeah. he's got like, he's got the saw, he's got like the little like, I want to say razor blades that slash your fingers off, then he builds an electric chair followed by the the pierce de la resistance, it's like a giant saw blade that you have to keep having shoved in your face back and forth. <laughs> somehow, like, I can't, I can't fathom that in VR. I can't, I can't yeah. see anyone taking that in VR without going and like, you know, Ugh. Um, yeah, yeah, unpleasant. Totally. It's in, in, inspirationally unpleasant. It's the fact that um, <clears throat> the, like, the difference between Lucas and all the other characters is just another example that he's that much of a psychopath that he planned ahead for experiences like this. You know, he didn't pull this stuff together in five minutes. He's been waiting for this experience, like chance to put people through this experience and try this experiment of make, making people play card games with their fingers trapped in a machine that's going to cut them off if they don't catch twenty one. Well, it's the way the way I think about it, and the way I I see Lucas um, is like I mentioned he's an opportunist. You know, he he had he had probably had these thoughts, like you said, he probably had these thoughts for a long time. But now he can like play with things like that, and that that right there is what really mm. kicks Lucas up because he's he's not drinking the Kool Aid, so to speak, but he's taking advantage of the situation. Absolutely, very much. Oh, he was evil before the mold. It was exactly. even before the mold. 100%. There it is. 
Sunny, uh, Sunny in chat dropping uh, the gifts. <laughs> okay, well, that moves nicely onto Sonny's favorite piece, I think, is that uh, Daughters, which is the storyline piece of Band Footage 2. Um, this one takes place on the the evening, if you like, or whatever time of day it occurred, the day that the storm happened, uh, which washed Mia and uh, Evelyn up on the shores of the bayou where they would become in contact with the bakers. So you get to see a little bit of the bakers as normal people just before the infection takes hold. It doesn't quite fit, I don't think. I mean, I guess it depends on your perspective on it. Um, the infection is meant to spread slowly, but it all happens very, very quickly in this DLC. So maybe it happens all at once, and then they shake it off, and it takes a while to permanently take hold. I don't know. Take it how you will, if this is canon or not. But it is, for me, I thought it was really cool to see more of the bakers, to get to play as Zoe, uh, especially because they're the, they're the stars of Resident Evil 7 and the DLC, in fact. Um, yeah. Uh, so this was a, a nice little final piece to it to see the beginning, get let those actors just really amp up that performance yet again. Uh, yeah, daughter, I can see why people love Daughters. It, it's it's brilliant. Steve, what did you think of Daughters? I genuinely enjoyed it. I think the like you said, the narrative stuff. The, the way that it can't fit with the previously established files, you have to figure out whether they just didn't know the scope of Evelyn's abilities or something. You know, you have to try and head cannon away for it to fit, or at least right. I do. So it doesn't wind me up so much. But, you know, um, I, I, I have to take it as something like that. But the actual seeing them go from, like, you know, a normal human family that seemed very, I mean, Lucas aside, very nice people, mm -hmm. uh, immediately go and flip that insanity switch. And become incredibly cruel and sadistic, and like Jack Baker's turn when Marguerite is uh, starting to become a bit keen on the bugs, is uh, yeah. something haunting, really. And that's the yes, first real is. threat yeah. to the DLC. Um, the actual atmosphere throughout the the way that Evelyn behaves, it's it's mostly just atmosphere and creeps. But it's yeah, it's a good it's a good little DLC. I'd argue. Probably in the same line as bedroom. Once you know what to do, it's a little bit solved. But yeah. that's that's the nature of this. I think there's a little bit more wiggle room as there's multiple endings and secret things to find. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, it turns out canonically to get the true ending, Zoe is a uh, a bit keeping an eye on a on her older brother. May know what's up. May know he's a bit of a danger to society. Yeah, uh, I like that. The actual, like I said, the the puzzles. There's not many of them in this. But it's uh, evading Jack and Marguerite, and then getting out of the house when they start going. And in that regard, it's great. You know, because Zoe's panicking the entire time, and obviously, unlike Ethan, she emotes a bit more, which is, yeah, you know, like, yeah I, I like it. Because we know these characters from the main campaign were a little bit more, I want to say, attached, even though they're the villains. Yes, um, you're invested. Yeah, and like, even I even feel bad for Lucas as he's being dragged off to God knows what's going to happen to him. You know it's not pleasant. Mm -hmm. uh, that was my that was my initial takeaway. In fact, my my top note from daughters was it that it humanized the bakers, and I appreciated that. Yes, um, because you don't the 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 actual campaign does a really great job of making them terrifying, um, but also feels like a family. And to see that like how it started, I thought was was really great. Um, my head canon is that it was. It was. I'm gonna say that it was. It wasn't one night. They did it because it's the Netflix movie. Um, I'm gonna say that they took a couple weeks and like it. it I want to. I want to see it padded out to like give me a couple weeks or like go to sleep, wake up. Stuff's a little bit worse. Mm. 
to make it fit more, but it, it did feel a little like they're mine now, so now they're crazy. So this is right. the this is the, the anime OVA special. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean to be fair, we have that a lot with Resident Evil where it's like what you actually play through and see on screen isn't actually what happens. You know, Resident Evil One, nothing, no no campaign is canon. So yeah, you can sort of make your own mind up about it, but I, I agree that like, the humanization of them is is, is great. Um, it's re- it's it, as Steve said, it's horrifying to see that moment where Jack begins stabbing himself right in front of you. It's, that's pretty grim, even after all the hours you put in in the main campaign, running away from him as he turns into a more aggressive and more you know out of control blob monster. You still feel it. You still feel like, oh, this is awful. Um, I'm gonna say the first few scenes with Jack as his as his human self. He's like, oh my god, he's like the best dad ever. He's trying mm. to help these people, and then oh no, 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 he's, no, he's just gone. He's gone mental. Uh, it, <laughs> yeah, it speaks to the power of sort of I don't know, less is more and stuff like that. Just this, there's the bit right at the beginning where he says he always wanted to open a bed and breakfast, and Marguerite says, well now you might get your chance. Like that's like oh oh my heart oh no yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Marguerite, the um, there's a I don't know if you've gone the non-canonical route. The non-canonical ending actually has a really heartfelt moment of like Marguerite trying to hang on to her sanity and Mm. save Zoe. It doesn't end well, obviously, but like that moment as well. I like that's the one moment where I think Marguerite, my God, you're suffering so much. I feel so bad for what's going to happen to you in about three years. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she hands uh, Zoe the car keys. Now, is that the time difference of three years? Uh, yeah. Between this incident, yeah. Yeah. Uh, James, what did you think of Daughters? Uh, yeah, I loved it. Um, like, I, like everybody said, because uh, it's it's very short. Like it's it's not long. It um, is yeah, very I, short. Yeah. I did. I didn't really take much from the gameplay side of it when I when I played it. Um, I took a lot from the story side of it. Um, like it, as you guys have said, like. Um. Connecting with the Baker family, learning, you know, I think I said actually during our main playthrough that, um, what happened here? Yeah. You know, and Steve said, Steve said, we'll find out. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then we played the DLC. uh, Then we played Daughters. And I was like, oh, this is so sad. Mm -hmm. You know, and I just wanted to, I wanted you, I wanted to help them. And being in Zoe's shoes as well is is really really powerful because yeah. she's she's been trying so hard to protect her family and like and you know jack and marguerite are just a sweet old couple <laughs> they're just they're just so nice and then and lucas is just he's just a typical league of legends player you know he's got, <laughs> yeah. he's got his lcs hoodie on he's just you know comes in oh new person all right and then he just leaves he, he just looks like a teen teenage boy I'll be in my room. <laughs> yeah. A teenage like, boy who's pushing 30 with thinning hair, but go on. <laughs> I mean, he, that's what I'm saying. He looks he, he doesn't look like he's he's gone past that point. And you know they're in the sticks, so there he's obviously been homeschooled, you know, in some way. And it's like you know, going on. And it's I, I I know that's strange to say, but you can read a lot into just their body language, their mm-hmm. house, where they are, and it's just sad. But it's nice to to play through because you get some kind of origins to who they are, um, and and what their struggle was. Yeah, as you said, there, there's nothing really here gameplay wise. It's really just a list of objectives to 
yeah, to run through escape. just to see it unfold. Um, but I thought it was just a <clears throat> it's a really nice touch. What a brilliant idea for DLC. Right. It was, uh, and again, we can talk more about that in like a, in a recap. But it it really helped solidify Resident Evil Seven as an experience. Totally. Yeah. More pieces of the puzzle. Um, See, these can I just like this is why they need to do more VHS tapes down the line, right? Yeah. The, the little like not necessarily essential side stories. Like the this is the biggest missed opportunity from Remake Two. I think I touched about this on the podcast, but I'll just say it now. Had we been able to play out those events as brief as they were for the USS team and things like that. It builds the world in such a more interesting fashion, and yep, 100%. That's, that's the 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 cornerstone of these like like you know daughters and bedroom, because they flesh out the story. They add so much to the characters. Maybe, uh, like I said, I've been a bit harsh on the gameplay, but they do do a lot to make them a lot more memorable and a lot more developed. Like I think across the franchise now, William Birkin said probably about ten phrases. Uh, yeah. In comparison, <laughs> and he's a cornerstone to the biggest incident in the uh, franchise. So, yeah, the series, yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And you've left it the perfect time to say it because uh, obviously, moving on from this, we have two sequel pieces of DLC, but we do have one final little bit to touch on from band footage, <laughs> which doesn't really fit under that umbrella of what you're saying. <laughs> it's a really wacky out there one. So, like, what? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much my reaction when it came out. Uh, so Jack's 55th birthday. Uh, this is a very strange mode where you play as Mia. There are, I don't know, six, eight something stages to run around. Um, different parts of the RE7 map that already exists. And you're going to be running around the house um, with a timer where you've got a clock. You can uh, beat enemies to... Freeze the clock, typical arcadey stuff, and you want to be grabbing some food and some spices to mix with that food, bottles of wine, and then you've got to feed them to Jack until the bar fills up and you beat it. So it's all about a sort of time attacky kind of mode. Uh, it's a really... Well, it's a great use of the engine for something else, I'll put it that way. Right. <laughs> but um, it's so I, weird. I, for one, love the new Mercenaries mode. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, it's fun, don't get me wrong, I thought it was yeah. fun, I thought it was challenging, but I can't say that it really held my attention either when it came out or when I replayed it for the podcast. I still haven't beaten all the missions, which uh, unlocks you more stuff the further you go and the higher rank you go. I still haven't bothered to, to dust them all off. Uh, say, I don't know that I would. Like, it doesn't <laughs> seem... I'd play it once or twice, and, uh, and that'd be enough for me. I, I don't find it to be as engaging as... Even Ethan must die as a right. side mode. Yeah, it is pretty much Banfitted uh, 2's version of that, if you like. Um, but yeah, I know which one I would prefer to play. Uh, James, what did you think of 55th birthday? Did you get a chance to look at this one? Uh, I did. I did play it, but again, I watched someone play it. <laughs> it's, I, you know, I know, you know me, I like to try and canon things. I do this all the time. <laughs> Good luck. Um, yeah, I was like, because you're. <laughs> You're playing as Mia, mm-hmm. and yeah, you're you're basically trying to feed Jack on his 55th birthday, and yeah, it's a time attack. You've got to basically keep feeding him so he doesn't, yeah, <laughs> I didn't, get cranky. Yeah, I I, I loved <laughs> for our TF TF2 fans out there. I love the, uh, the hat. numerous hats. Yes, uh, that we <laughs> used. You even see Mr. X's hat there. I don't know if uh, you see that. If, <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've seen it. His fedora on top, and they barely fit. 
and it's great. It's funny. Um, but yeah, I, I see it as kind of a fever dream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I see it as as Mia. It was maybe um, that again reaching guys. Okay, so don't like this is just James Cannon, but it's my favorite. Maybe time. during maybe during her <laughs> maybe during her you know transformation her 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 merging with the mold. She had a fever dream like this, and it was. You know, she was literally bringing Jack things, but it wasn't. It was kind of a hook styles of, you know, that they're not really eating anything. She's just bringing stuff to him to eat, and it's maybe disgusting stuff. You don't know, um, but <laughs> well, it's you've actually... seen what they eat generally, right? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't. That's that's just James Cannon trying to put. But in terms of the gameplay, it looks hella fun. And it's got confetti, which just makes every game better. The guns shoot <laughs> confetti as well. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I mean, they went all in with this, the stylistics of it, I guess. They have to answer that. Party hats and confetti. It's 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 all in <laughs> and there. It, and it kind of gave a uh, it kind of get it kind of gives you gave you a gateway into one of the DLCs later as well, where it gets a little bit silly, but in a in a cool way. Mm. Uh, Steve, uh, what did you think of the the birthday mode? Oh man, this is so dumb. <laughs> this, this is so dumb. I mean, I, I enjoy it, but it's so dumb. And uh, for the for the listeners, to, for the clarification, there are six maps. Three. Right. There's technically three, but there, there's two difficult two difficulties for each. Okay. Um, uh, mechanically speaking, it's actually really straightforward. You've got to just acquire food, feed Jack, shoot monsters for time. But each time you get a grade from beating it, you unlock more gear and more maps. Which you know it can allow you to build the build the experience up a little bit. It's not, I would say, the progression system is deep, but it's definitely something. Sure. Um, you're generally here for the stupidity and spectacle of Jack wearing a hat and silly glasses and a red nose while you shoot molded with hats on, mm-hmm. and him barking at you for feed me, <laughs> feed me, Seymour. You know, uh, <laughs> not quite, but um, and the sheer the sheer enjoyment of here's a trash bag, eat it, please, Jack. And he right. will, and then he'll vomit all over the table, and it's just there's something very. I want to say, you know, preschool comedy about right. the whole thing. Yeah, but like if if Resident Evil was scaring your children, you wanted to desensitize them to it, you'd show them this mode. You shouldn't be really showing them any of it, but you know, if you need to, if you need to for some twisted reason, this is the mode for you. <laughs> I, it's so dumb. I don't know I... how to describe it. It's like it's not something I'm going to go back and replay, but it's just. Silly, and I can appreciate silly. Mm. Um, I tell you what, I, though, you uh, touched on something that I forgot to mention: is that uh, a lot of your, if you're really going for the high ranks on this, and I, I tried to get a few A's to see what that experience was like. It's all about inventory management, which is funny because obviously that's a big tenant of Resident Evil, you know, classic. Uh, it's all about what you want to take with you to dispatch the molded to give yourself some extra time. But you've got to make inventory space for the food that you pick up and you're going to mix together and deliver mm-hmm. to Jack. There's also like these sort of like uh, buffs that you can unlock and, and equip as well that give you uh, a speed boost, more defense, more power, more knockback, uh, vis- you know, see items more visibly. Um, so it's all about juggling what you take and the space you leave. So I guess there's some depth in that part of it. So, I mean, yeah, I can see it being it's, replayable. You can so, literally just shove spice down the man's throat right. and he'll love it for whatever <laughs> you reason. You can also do that. You get 80 points for it. Um, 
one one of the th- my big takeaway from all of these like extra little DLC games is uh, I'd mentioned earlier it felt like it was like a vertical slice or a demo or something and I could see a lot of these a give the developer something fun to do when mm-hmm. you're just tediously you know making sure that the tarp is in the right place and the light map is hitting it appropriately <laughs> or like you know the guy leans over he's like hey look at look what I did I, I put a hat on and a nose on on Jack <laughs> uh, um you know and. Yeah, they they ended up being good enough that they could release in as DLC, and they they expand the gameplay. They do exactly what these extra modes have done for this series in perpetuity. Like mm-hmm. ever since Resident Evil 2's uh, had the um, fourth survivor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just a very wacky kind of side game uh, to fit with all the rest of the side games and totally stand out because it's about party hats. But I see what you mean. <laughs> And it does serve a purpose in in terms of like a testing environment because you like you said it's all about inventory management and being mm. creative with it. I dug it. It's it's the it's the devs flexing and tech demoing the RE engine for other toys and then basically saying, "Hey, this is actually very fun. Let's make it a game and ship it." Absolutely. Uh, and that's you know, not a bad thing. You know, always more toys. It's always more fun. Yes, one hundred percent. And now reading the files. Joe's Note and Joe's Survival Guide from Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, in character as Joe Baker, James Jamuzu Payne, who you can follow on Twitter at Jamuzu James. That was no gate I saw today. Was out checking the lines when I saw a head one, so I pulled it up. Instead, it was some sludge covered god knows what with huge teeth and claws. Try to get at me, so I punched the f***'s teeth in before I could. Never thought I'd seen it with my own eyes. Goddamn government doing secret experiments on people and animals. No doubt about it. Explains those helicopters flying about recently. Joe's survival manual. How to kill those things. Number one. Bodies are tough, but heads are soft. Punch them. Number two. Get in as many fast punches as possible. Left, right, right, with some fast right jabs works good. Right, left, right, then a strong left knocks them out. Number three. Heads cross easily on the foot when they fall down. Number four. Crouch and sneak up behind when not looking to take them out without a fight. So let's move on to... The first of the big ones. Uh, this was the promised DLC uh, that was meant to release, you know, fairly soon after the core game. Uh, Chris Redfield in Not a Hero. Um, in April of 2017, it was delayed and then it was released on the 12th of December 2017, completely for free. I'm not sure if it was always going to be free or not. I don't know if anyone remembers. Um, if it was always planned to be free, but it did release for free when it got there, so that's nice. Um, <clears throat> this is the first sequel piece that takes place directly after Resident Evil 7. Player plays as Chris Redfield going into the mines to retrieve Lucas Baker. That is the long and short of it. Um, it's got a bit more of an action focus, obviously, because you're playing as BSAA specialist uh, Chris Redfield, who is now teamed up with Blue Umbrella, so we got the first sort of inkling of our answers to the questions left hanging at the end of Resident Evil 7 there with the blue umbrella helicopter and stuff. But uh, all the same, there were still 
plenty of mystery left. Introduced um, some new gameplay elements, some new enemies as an overview. Um, Burger, let's start with you. What do you think of Not a Hero? Absolutely loved it. Excellent. Um, it was really great to see Chris again. I actually took a lot of notes on this one. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I was personally very excited to see Chris back to the series. Um, it, the ex I like how at the beginning of the game, they don't bog you down with like a 25 minute cutscene because as you're exploring and as you're getting through the boring part of exploring this area, you got the person in your ear and you, you sense right away. Um, that there's some tension between Chris and his new allies. He's not completely on board with it. Mm -hmm. Like, like there's there's so much exposition there in those first few minutes. It, ah, it's amazing. I love the hub. It brought back the classic, like health display on the bottom. Yes. Um, still, still not a big fan of the enemies. Uh, I felt the enemy variety in seven was a little lacking. Uh, in general, uh, I like that they added the the big boy, but I still thought that boss fight was. Reminded me of the Resident Evil 1 boss fights in a bad way. Interesting. Um, well, because maybe it's just the, the what I what I witnessed of it. Um, but it just seems like they do the exact same thing the Tyrant did. And as it comes towards you, when they get close enough, big attack. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it is. It is kind of like that. And for all intents and purposes, uh, Lucas becomes RE7's Tyrant, really. Which, in the idea of it... <sighs> I've got mixed feelings about it, but I will say it's nice to have a kind of tyrant boss fight. But you're right; um, it's it's pretty simple if you've if you've kept a hold of a couple of grenades uh, and your ramrod rounds, which I'm sure we'll get to. You can take that down pretty quickly. There's a whole thing about oh, the air's oxygen is leaving the room. You need to refill. You really but don't. they fix it right away. They give you a better yeah. It's yeah, just run over the wall, refill, and just uh, yeah, go crazy, go ham. I didn't um, particularly find that challenging, but I would have to disagree with you on the enemies. I actually like they added quite a few new enemies to this. The white molded, which are effectively the, like pale heads before pale heads were in yeah. RE2. There's like face hugger creature things called little crawlers, and then the mama mold, which is uh, comes up a couple of times as like a mini boss. Aren't the face hugger things in the in the actual game? I don't think so. Huh? Uh, no, no, they're not. <laughs> there you go then. Well, then I stand corrected. But, uh, yeah, no, like, the, the the reintroduction of a hub is nice as well. Like you say, you've got yeah. this sort of, like, main area of the mines. Uh, I liked how it was... They split off into three different directions, each with a different kind of challenge. You know, there's mm -hmm. places with low lighting, places with poisonous gas, and you need to get the items to maneuver around them. It doesn't make much sense, because <laughs> Chris takes the items from these, from his dying companions, uh... <laughs> But Chris Redfield doesn't go in fully equipped. They don't give him a gas mask or anything. He has to take them from the random scrubs that he finds dying. Which it's, you know, gameplay of a story, I guess. But There was no time. He had to get to the mines. <laughs> I guess so. As he walked away slowly. Don't forget your mask, Chris. Come on now. It's 2020. We know how this works. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I did bring this up to Steve as well when we were playing it. I was like... Why have they sent Chris in with nothing? With nothing. Yeah, he's like mm. he's, he's got the, he's got this Albert Wesker gun, mm -hmm. you know, and it, that's it, you know. Uh, he's just got nothing, and and then there's the cool. I'm not sure it was needed really. There's the cool overlay. Did yeah, I, I didn't get it. But then I've, I've just read up that it was made by a like a subsidiary of right. Capcom Hexadrive. Yeah, Drive. This, this wasn't developed by the RE7 developers. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that kind of makes sense. So I, I give him, I give him some leeway about that. But 
Yeah, I do. I did just to hit just hit on that point. Sorry, Burger, before you carry on. I just, yeah, it's what to send him in with more stuff. He's <laughs> freaking right. Chris Redfield. He, yeah, sure, he can punch boulders. I mean, not in this one, but he you know, punches, he's, he's molded though. He does punch molded yes. and he punches the uh, um, the boss to mm-hmm. like that's how that's like that takes the boss to the next phase is Chris Chris's punch. True, <laughs> true, because you, you knock him down and then. Chris runs up, punches him in the face, and he gets back up. He's not a tyrant. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Steve, what, how did you feel about not hero? Well, see, this is weird. I know a lot of people are conflicted on Chris as a whole in RE7, mm-hmm. but I like his actual character. Like, you know, the whole basically jabbing, you know, jabbing the umbrella guys the entire way. Yes. That he's very hammering home. I don't trust you guys at all. But as you guys have pointed out, it's kind of silly how they, they're yeah, I, I don't need a mask in this highly dangerous, toxic environment that we apparently have. I don't need these ramrod rounds. Yeah, it's it's peculiar. It's it's a peculiar thing. That's obviously just gameplay. And, mm-hmm. and never, ever, if, if you ever are given the choice to work with Chris Redfield on anything, don't. <laughs> because <laughs> nine times out of ten, you're going to die. Like, mm. <laughs> um, I think there's only, only Sheva... Uh, Sheva, Josh, and Jill have managed to survive. And even Jill was presumed dead for a good few. You know. Yeah. Oh, no. Do, do not work with Chris Redfield ever. Ever. You know, worship him from afar by all means. But um, <laughs> I do appreciate that they worked in the ridiculousness of his, his physical strength and power into the gameplay, though. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, the fact that he we are not some milk toast, I have no idea what his day job is, Ethan Winters. We are Chris Redfield and we will punch things to death. Yes. Right. Um, they also make sure that he's using a different healing implement. I don't know if that's meant to be implied that there's mold. Well, maybe there's mold in the the healing juice that you use um, to like sit, reattach limbs and legs. Oh, maybe, yeah. And Chris obviously never partakes of this. He has to use little injectors and other weird sci-fi gubbins. But for mm, some reason, so- has a, the most assault rifle-looking shotgun I've ever seen in a Resident Evil. Right. When I put I it could... up, I forgot it was a shotgun at first. I looked at it and was like, okay, I have an assault rifle. Yeah. Um, why did, A, when does Lucas hear his name, and why does he keep saying Christopher? Like, <laughs> I think he's just trying to be polite as he tries to kill him with bombs. And That's traps. Right. Yeah. I, honestly, I'm not sure. It feels very. This is going to sound like a massive insult, and I actually don't. I don't dislike Not Here. I think it's it's a reasonably good get fun game, but it's it's got linearity problems, and mm-hmm. it reminds me of Metroid Other M in the exact reason that you are being told when to use certain things, or you have to find things you really should have mm-hmm. before you have gone in. Yeah, right. Um, but no, characterization wise and plot wise, I even love the fact they managed to bring back that Resident Evil staple, and it's no longer some horrible little cubby hole. It's a proper Resident Evil looking laboratory. Yes, you know, yes. Uh, where Lucas clearly spends time from both being, you know, Jigsaw from Saw and also a malevolent scientist. Although, as I love the, the note that points out that he's just, he's literally just messing with the bodies. Why is he even here? And then this, <laughs> this scientist disappears. Um, yeah, I, I love that. I love the the, the notes and things. It, it's it's a weird one because gameplay-wise, you're kind of, you're, you're offered three paths, but you have to go a set route you can't go the other way yeah. you get like shoved back being too dark and traps or magical nerve gas mold so mm. that's a shame no i agree with that um but i do agree that it's nice to see a, a proper lab we didn't really get a, a good look at one in the base game um 
at all, really. So this is a, right. a better look at the base of operations of what's going on here. The the, the lore editions are really nice with uh, all the scientists being confused about Lucas, and then he just offs them anyway, so he's the only guy left. Um, this, like 21, this sort of grows Lucas as a character because he's, he's got these um, soldiers that Chris is working alongside and all of them get their heads destroyed in some fashion, blown <laughs> up or chopped off, whatever. Um, it's grim and you want to take him down. But all the same, I have my issues with the plot of this one. I, um, I kind of, it sucks that he dies in the end of this. I would have liked to see him get away, like many Resident Evil villains in the last 15 years or whatever. Would have been nice if they'd have let him move on to, to something else. But nope, he gets to turn into a monster at the end. And even that part, because of the delays, uh, they, re they rewrote some of the story. And it's evident uh, when you get to this part because uh, Chris punches his face until it melts. Uh, then the screen sort of fades out, fades back in, and then there's this sort of like giant amorphous nest on the ceiling that he falls out of. That was so wild. Yeah, so there's, they obviously didn't quite finish out the changes they'd made or they kept start. I, it doesn't really match up, and it's very clear they changed stuff. I actually have in front of me here um, a list of the objectives that have been taken out from the game that have been data mined, objectives that were cut from the original Not a Hero. Um, hmm. And it, so you've got like get like, white mold sample, rescue Bravo team member one and two. Um, then there's some stuff that you would be familiar with, like remove gas, stuff like that. Then there's kill extreme white molded, which I guess is the, the mama molded. And then the last two is what's most interesting. Although you also have uh, recovery of the connection member list before that. Uh, but the last Ooh. two is no damage arrested Lucas eavesdrop Lucas and connection. So in the original, in the original version, Lucas didn't die; he got arrested, and then you get some sort of like implication about the organization that he was working with. And, and that's one of those things that I'll always look at that list of objectives and be like, "Ah, oh, what could have been?" Obviously, we don't know where this is going, right. Village. We have no idea, uh, but it's kind it of a shame all the same. It felt to me, and uh, I gotta tell you, I'm pretty excited to see the actual, the first actual first-person shooter they make on this engine. Mm. Um, but it felt like a, like they wanted to make it a first-person shooter, but it didn't quite fit. They definitely try to amp up the action, which I wonder if this gameplay is going to be closer to how Village actually plays. I should hope not. I hope it's something, uh, something closer to the, um, the one DLC. Maybe. I, I just feel like. It seems to be the Resident Evil trope. If you cut everything into trilogies, they're going to get steadily more action-focused, like <laughs> 1, 2, and 3, and 4, 5, and 6. Maybe later parts of Village will feel a bit like this. I'll put it that way. I don't expect yeah. it to start out like this at the beginning of the game. But... Mm. Uh, James, what did you think of uh, Not a Hero? Uh, yeah, I liked it. Um, it. But it didn't feel Resident Evil. Mm. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, the UI, I, mean, I think my first thing was, again, I said it earlier, but the UI immediately hit me and I was like, whoa, okay, this is weird, strange. Um, Chris going in there with no supplies, strange. Um, how he looked, strange. Um, and But at the same time, I kind of liked him. Um, it was nice to... Uh, uh, yo, yeah, you, you guys brought up the linear aspect of it earlier on. Um, that's how, why it didn't feel like a Resident Evil game. Yeah, yeah. Like that, there's always an illusion of non-linear with Resident Evil games. You know, there's always multiple. Well, there's sometimes multiple ways to get through stuff, and there's yeah. But this was point you get from point A to point B to point C. You know, and it was very deliberate. Um, 
and I felt like it was a, it was just a stopgap for you, like the the what hour and a half, maybe hour of play about before hour, you re- yeah. before you reach Lucas. Like it was mainly uh, a stopgap for you just to do a face off against Lucas. That was it. Like yeah. I, I I didn't feel there was a very there, I, I didn't feel there was very much story that was built upon. Um, like we wanted answers from for why Chris was under the 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 flag of Blue Umbrella. What was mm-hmm. that all about? And we didn't really get enough. And for a DLC, they sh- probably should have done that. You know, especially you guys mentioned earlier on the lab thing as well. I agree. Like RE7 didn't have a lab at all. Is like, is that the first game that hasn't had one? Is it? Uh, uh, possibly. Four? Yeah. No, four has well, a lab regenerators okay. and all that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's just it doesn't it doesn't have a lab. So to to kind of put it into the DLC is it's cool, but again, we didn't really get much info. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we didn't get. I wanted to know more about the connections. I want to know more about why Chris is following this line. Right. I want. You know, I uh, why why is he there? <laughs> you know, as there is a document in that for. Chris's motivations basically he's almost like a contractor from the BSAA helping Blue Umbrella out because he's a professional. Uh, but it's only like a file you read at the start. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like but it's, like it, it's file. But it's not like substantial, is it? It's not, you know, for 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 a guy who's been in the game for six, you know, for what, seven, eight games beforehand, um, or or been spoken about like in those games. Wanted a bit more of why he's especially Umbrella. He's working for Umbrella again, kind of. You know why? Yeah, you, you get that vague answer later where she says it's basically not Umbrella, J.K. It's it's Umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I but I did enjoy it. But it wasn't for the same reasons that I enjoy Resident Evil game. It was for the same as Berger said earlier on. It was the same re- same reason I would I would enjoy. Uh, people are going to hate me here, but. Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, or you know, because <laughs> right. it was it was just mad fun. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I also thought, you know, Chris needed. A, people may agree, disagree with me here. I felt like Chris needed a bit more personality mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I think he got. I think he got a, a fair bit of personality in this. I. Um, he seems a little bit more snarky than the. Uh, should we say? Real Chris. Real Chris <laughs> is always a bit more serious and a bit mm-hmm. miserable. Whereas this one's. Usually a bit more snarky, and I just love that the ending line of Crimea River is he's literally like he's 100 done with this BS and just shoots the server apart and goes, oh well, shame. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that alone. It's not. It's not what I would consider Chris Redfield per se. But as yeah, an I think that's my problem. Enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. I think it's, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I think it's because it didn't feel like Chris to me. Yeah, yeah, I get that. It's it's a fun character to play as, but even more so now. It's really weird to replay it. Like in the wake of the village uh, reveal, it's super weird to go back and play as this this guy who is Chris. But it's, yeah, it's very odd. On the subject of the of the ending scene, indeed. Um, so unless anyone has any final notes on not a hero, although actually I will I, say one last thing on my end is that I agree with you, James. The best parts are the actiony parts. The bit that I always remember is the the. The section where you're sort of trapped in a room and Lucas is just sending wave after wave to you, that was the most enjoyable part for me. Um, Four metres square of death, isn't it? Basically. But it's it's yeah, it's quite a fun little challenge, which you can't get in the main campaign because Chris is more more powerful. He's got more powerful weaponry. So 
So get an excuse to I, do something cool like that. I have one more note from from the Not a Hero DLC, and it's the the slowest countdown ever. Is when he's uh, he's about to blow up the room you're in, and it starts counting down, but it only goes down when you test one of the grates. That doesn't work. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, until you get through it and you get out, so there's no real danger of uh, exploding. <laughs> oh, Lucas. <laughs> Well, um, let's move from one baker to another, uh, to another pair of bakers, in fact. The final piece of uh, DLC also released on December 12th, 2017. It was the second sequel part, End of Zoe. Um, <clears throat> this takes place sometime after those events. You've still got Blue Umbrella up at the, the baker house and stuff, as you find out at the end, and, and sort of milling around the property. That's, that's a big part of it. But you'll be playing as... A brand new character introduced, uh, Jack's brother, Joe, Joe Baker, um, who comes across the body of Zoe. This takes place in what is the... At this point, we I'm, I don't know before the DLC whether or not we knew for 100% which version of events was canon when you pick Mia or Zoe, but this one confirms that picking Mia is canon and leaving Zoe at the plantation where she succumbs to uh, Evelyn's powers and sort of like... I don't know, she sort of like freezes in sort of weird white mould. It's a bit Final Fantasy. Uh, she looks a bit crystalline. Um, but yeah, then, then Joe discovers her. You play as Joe, the, the woodsman who's been living outside of the Baker house, sort of estranged from the family for a while. Oh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to start with this one. I'm not quite sure how to how to handle this okay. one. So, just, so James, take it away. End of Zoe. Yeah, I'll, I'll start it. This, this, game, this game mode is fantastic. I love it. I mean, <laughs> You can punch Joe things. Is my hero. Yeah, Joe Baker is awesome. Also, the Luna Freya esque kind of Zoe transformation. I don't know what she turned into. I don't care. It was great. <laughs> she looked great. Um, I expect that to be explained further um, in other games. Hopefully, I mean there is a lot of that is unexplained. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, but just, just just the best part. I think I laughed so hard was Joe just walking up to to Zoe right at the beginning of the game. And there's blue umbrella that are just circling her, and like Joe's just kind of asking them questions, and he doesn't like what they say, and he just punches them. Yeah, <laughs> fully armed dudes. <laughs> yeah, he punches their helmets, and they get knocked out. Like this guy is fantastic. I loved him. Um, yeah, and just like there was one thing I did. I mean, before I go through like the rest of the game, there was one thing I didn't like the game about the game, and that was the end boss. I thought it was a little bit of a slog with Jack. Um, but I did like that he still, in typical Resident Evil fashion, Jack still wasn't dead. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> you yeah. know, he was still going and ugh, it it was it was a slog. I had to pass the controller to Steve because I was getting bored. He uh because he was, it was definitely doing his best swamp thing cosplay. <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly it, it was just, it was just kind of boring and i just couldn't so i yeah I, I i just i just passed the pad to steve and said you you do it you're way better at this than me <laughs> um but I, uh, the, okay. the rest yeah the, re the rest of the game though um throwing spears at crocodiles um stealthing with mm. him doing takedowns with his fists just punching mold to death Oh, it was great. I just, <laughs> oh, I, I loved every second of it. And then there's that reveal 
um, closer to the end with the the power glove, uh, the power gloves. Yes. I just, you know, Steve says, oh, this is a moment of contention, you know, with the fan base. I'm like, what? Why? Power gloves. It's <laughs> a DLC. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a punching machine used for power loading. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. I like, obviously, I, I, and again, I want more expl- explanation on what on that. Why was that? container left there like uh it seems you know we know umbrella we know how they plan things out and nothing is done like by accident like they knew what they were doing right maybe joe baker is like their new ultimate soldier they just want to you know they just want to okay okay now i feel we're falling into free head cannon (laughs) (laughs) come back james come back now let me fall down this hole um I, I very much enjoyed End of Zoe. Uh, I thought, A, it was cool to see a baker who was literally, he was there for family, and he was normal, kind of. Mm. Um, I, I appreciated, like, the fist fighting mechanics were really great. I thought it was well executed. He, he did it great. Like James said, he just punches everything. And it's fantastic. And then you're throwing spears at stuff, and you're fighting the boss, and the spears get stuck in it, and it's like, it was wild. It was it was a it was a good time. For uh, I think I wrote down first person redneck MMA game, <laughs> ten out of ten. Yes. <laughs> um, the super punch is amazing, and Joe Baker. I'm deciding now is the new Resident Evil punching champion. Rip Chris. Joe Baker is king. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've got to jump in here. I'm sorry. I've got to Go defend Steve, my boy Chris. Please. I've got to defend my boy Chris. It takes Joe Baker a fair few punches to knock one out. Whereas Chris could just whomp him once. All right. Now, now quick, to be fair, real quick, Steve, that's after he blasts it with a couple shotgun shells. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Semantics. Uh... <laughs> oh man. I the thing is, my my problem here is that I kind of agree, even though I don't want to. Gameplay is fun. The punching is fun. It's satisfying. It feels good. Stealth things actually kind of fun. Um, the alligators and chucking spears at them was an a sort of neat non-puzzle, as it were, because you can't go anywhere near them or you're going to get OHKO'd, so you've got to find your scraps and your wood and figure out which ones to take care of and all that business. Um, the new areas looked amazing. I yeah. like the, the, the... It's actually, funnily enough, called Swamp Man, that new design, until it's revealed to be Jack, which I thought was a cool revelation. I love that design. looks amazing. Yes, yeah. But this is so dumb and I hate it. <laughs> 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 it's just I, just I don't know it's so weird and it takes it doesn't take away from the main game because it's its own thing it's in its separate corner it, the gameplay is very different but at the same time once you've punched a molder to death there's no going back from that it just <laughs> it cheapens them a little bit I think there's the combos the combos <laughs> I enjoyed playing it but I don't know how I feel about it as a concept. Uh, Steve, I don't actually know how you feel about this one at all, so I'd be interested to hear your opinion on End of Zoe. Oh, well, this is a friggin', this is a thing to unpack. Right. There we go. Right, so Joe Baker, in and of himself, is 100% the the action hero of the Resi series never knew it needed. <laughs> uh, it, 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 but it feels like 
ridiculous even for a game like this. <laughs> I don't know how to describe He could literally walk up, punch up two Umbrella dudes, which to be fair, in-universe, Umbrella are known to be you know, bad and, and a, a bit on the dodgy <laughs> side. So that's what probably any concerned citizen would do and beat the ever-loving crap out of them. I, but it, there is just there's something strangely ridiculous about the whole affair as one man wages two-handed war against the molded. <laughs> to say to save it is a is tagline. That's the movie poster. One man was <laughs> it's a two-handed war. But the, the fact that it introduces stealth um yeah. and amongst it as well, and the fact that you can actually be very tactical in your approach. You could you could theoretically just beatbox your entire way through this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, use their head like punching bags but there is a tactical element you can use the, the other thing that really bogs it down gameplay wise probably is the alligators because they literally are ridiculously like if you whiff a shot you're dead in the early game you don't have enough spears which is infuriating mm-hmm. apparently there's a way to beat the game without ever using anything but your bare hands i have yet to achieve this feat i'll uh, I'll have to i'll have to use the youtubes mm-hmm. um but the main That's takeaway from is, yeah i don't know how you get around them i have no idea but the narrative itself is silly. It's it's completely silly. You're just Joe Baker, who's Jack's brother and has been living out in the woods while the apocalypse has taken over the place. Uh, but visually, Stunning. the environments are very interesting as well. Yes. Like, have you have you took a look at? Because it's like this mold stuff has not settled down. It's like I'm pretty sure canonically in universe they would need to seal off the bayou forever mm-hmm. or something. And there's giant perimeter walls. Uh, it's it's kind of terrifying in a way. That's that like, reminds me uh, of all things the, the the second Resident Evil film where they qu- quickly erected a barrier around Raccoon City. That's probably not a good comparison. <laughs> yeah. I think about it, but it's apt. But, yeah, uh, it's just this is narratively stupid, but the spectacle is amazing. Hmm. You know, scenes look really um, well. Yeah, and uh, while the last boss fight, I would say, is a bit eh. Yeah. You know, it's, Wait for the power glove to counter whack. The the fist the, the showdown on like the wrecked rowboat. That's that's some amazing stuff right there. You can like play Stone Cold theme over it or something. Just da, 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 da. pile driver. There is a pile, them. Yeah, there is a pile driver move in there, isn't there? Yeah, oh, uh, there's, there's a lot of contextual animations in there. And as a silly mode, it's great. And there's even like a a new game plus where you can do all sorts of extra stuff to unlock. Mm. Yeah, uh, including like an, uh, some kind of spirit sword and other uh, crazy crap. How did that not make our best knives video? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, then, you know, it's almost like some kind of fever dream because no one besides the two umbrella guys seem to even really acknowledge Joe's existence until the very end. Even Chris doesn't. It's like, oh, Zoe, you're all right. Moves Joe out of the way. Have we just put down, have we just put down the immortal Jack Baker? Like, okay. With oh, his yeah, okay. bare hands. Yeah. yeah it, it, it barely acknowledges the man in his dungarees with a power glove. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, funny no. that this DLC sort of really does round everything out because you get that moment with Zoe and uh, Ethan on the phone and everything, checking in to make sure she's okay and all that, um, which feels so out of place compared to, yeah, Joe Baker, mold puncher. It's it's bizarre. It's so yeah. bizarre. Yeah, and he has I, so many silly one-liners mm. as well. Like, oh, he's, he's an 80s action hero in, in the best, most ridiculous way. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see Joe Baker again, whether that's... Good or bad, I, I don't even know at this point. 
that's the thing. He's done killing. He's done killing. He's waged his one man war. He saved his niece. He don't need to He's gonna retire to his shack. Wait until Umbrella comes back seven years later. Joe. It's it's, it's time. It's Joey. No. He's in it again. <laughs> he's like, like polishing a plate or something and he drops it. I was, I, I, I was just thinking, like we don't we don't we don't have a god pantheon in the Resident Evil universe yet. I'm just saying Joe's there. He's one of them. Joe's there. Okay. I'm just Chris Redfield is another one. You know, right. maybe Albert Wesker is uh, you know on the evil side. So, yeah. so here's a question for for the for the board game group: uh, Joe Baker or the Moth? Go. Uh, <laughs> Praise the Moth. Certainly over the Moth. Yeah, I'm um, sorry, Moth wins because the Moth. The moth can't punch things. <laughs> the Moth can fly and poison Joe, and then Joe is left to if, die if, because there's no blue herbs in Louisiana. Exactly. <laughs> If Joe, if Joe thought hard enough, he could definitely fly. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> the worst part is you're probably right. Okay, I'm, unless it's like an Iron Man glove when he can like you know propel himself. That would no, be, wouldn't it? I was about to say we're getting crazy now, and then I just so um, let me rein us back in. Uh, let's round this out. Uh, just wanted to go around the room and ask everyone yeah. their highlights of the RE7 DLC. Uh, I'd say up to this point, but it's definitely over. The last piece there at December 2017. Um, so this is the complete final Resident Evil 7 package, which you can obviously buy all together as Resident Evil 7 Gold Edition, which I would highly recommend. But yeah, going around the room, what was everyone's, let's say, favourite and least favourite out of everything we discussed today? Uh, Burger, let's start with you. Uh, favourite is absolutely Joe Baker, new punching champion, Riff Chris. Um <laughs> Uh, least favorite, I'm going to say it was probably 21. It was neat. It felt like a cool tech demo, but ultimately speaking, it didn't do much for me. Fair enough. Uh, Steve, favorite and least favorite. Uh, I'm going to be cheeky. My, uh, my favorite is tied. It is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. narratively ridiculous, but satisfying gameplay it is, you know, end of Zoe, but it's tied with nightmare for the sheer fact you can have so much fun with it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, least favorite. Well, Here's looking at you, Ethan must die. Jack's fifth <laughs> birthday. Uh, nice, fair enough. Uh, and James, favorite and least favorite. Uh oh boy. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the same as I'm. I'm gonna be di- different in terms of my favorites. End of Zoe and Nightmare. End of Zoe kind of pips it for me mm-hmm. as my favorite, but Nightmare is close behind. My least favorite, I think, is um, God, I've forgotten its name. Is not hero. I just, I uh, yeah, I just didn't connect with it as much as other people did, and yeah, it just didn't feel. It felt disjointed to me. Oh, fair enough. Well, um, the server voted not hero their favorite piece. It's worth saying of all the DLC, and uh, we had a three-way tie for the, the least favourite between Nightmare, interestingly, Bedroom, and 55th Birthday. Um, in terms of my least favourite, yeah, probably 55th Birthday for me. It just couldn't hold my attention. But in terms of my favourite, it's a tie between Nightmare from a gameplay perspective. And I really do love Daughters, even though it's very short, and there isn't much to it, but from a storytelling and an atmosphere, it really tied that whole RE7 campaign together. Right. Um, to the point of bringing the whole campaign together uh, I'd mentioned it a couple of times I I really appreciate this game because I feel like this 
Resident Evil 7 is the most complete story we've ever had in a Resident Evil game. It like it left us questions asking at the end. It answered a few of them with some DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like it was a whole experience. Like you, like I really appreciate how they did it. I I didn't like that they delayed the DLC, but I appreciate how it was marketed. Right, and it's such a a huge smorgasbord of ideas as well. Right. Uh, they got to play with their new toy, their new engine, see what it could do, did some extra things, and then went on to make a bunch of really amazing games with it. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, I'd say it's a, a huge success. Um, and I think, in a weird way, afterwards, we've almost sort of been chasing it. To bring us full circle, obviously, everybody, a lot of people still would like some Resident Evil 3 DLC. Uh, and obviously, the stuff we got for 2 was great, and it was free, so we definitely can't complain. But people right. were still asking for more. Uh, RE7 really set up a precedent of, of great DLC packages for games, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if Village tries to compete with it, um, outmatches it, because for me, I think RE7's DLC selection is the most robust and the most solid. Definitely the gold Agreed. standard. I think that's yes. the problem. If, if RE7's hadn't been so robust and varied, mm-hmm. I don't think we'd have quite as much complaining as we do about the remakes. You know, yeah, um, yeah, maybe so. It set a standard that didn't keep that they would have should have kept to, in my opinion, and that's yeah probably sounds a bit entitled. I'm not trying to, but that they made a rod for their own back a little. Yes, no, I would. I said that's a fair way to put it. Um, but I think it says it all. To sum it up on that, and the fact that we did a whole episode talking about it, really says it all. But nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look on to auditioning for our file readings. One way to get in touch is to email us at fasprayprod at gmail.com. But of course, the best course of action is to join our Discord server, where you can discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, and listen to the podcast live as it's being recorded. The link to the server is in the description of this podcast, and also on our social media profiles. You can follow us on Twitter at fasprayprod, on Instagram at fasprayprod, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash fasprayprod. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a review if you can. It helps spread the word. You can also support the show at patreon.com forward slash FA Spray Pod for as little as $1 a month. Our next episode will take us back to the profile series, where we'll be looking at the first of four pillars of the Resident Evil protagonists with our focus on the one and only Claire Redfield. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Siniac underscore one, two, three. Steve is at FB. Steve was taken. Uh, James is at Moist Owler OFF, and you can find Michael over at It's Burger Time. And finally, thank you for listening, and have a good week. Uh, yeah, I do think at some point FAS needs to t- needs to actually play Sweet Home. Yes, that'll definitely happen. From my taking of uh, YouTubers, like, you know, he says, being one himself, allegedly. You know, written evil fit. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we all could see it. Yeah, you watch any video that's not like from a Resident Evil dedicated channel. It was made by the people who made Sweet Home. uh, Yeah, when I I spent an hour before we did Biohazard Stars 3, just like none of it helped. I watched a bunch of random Resident Evil videos, like trivia videos and and it was all the same stuff. And fact number one, <laughs> did you know there were developers? It was Sweet Home developed to get, and then, oh, yeah, I know. 